Well, praise the Lord. Once again, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to you with the Word of God. Um, we're always honored and blessed that uh, uh, you would take the time to listen or watch, however you're uh, receiving this today. Anyway, uh, again, we're in an empty room. Be grateful when this is all over. Praise God. Sounds like we're kind of, you know, uh, not too far off of uh, being done with this. That's a wonderful thing. But uh, we're still here and uh, still going to bring the Word of God to you. So hope you enjoy it today. So I call you blessed in Jesus' name. Well, praise the Lord. Let's uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Again, in our midweek services, we have been uh, uh, using this text in verse 11 uh, is our main, you know, initial text uh, this year. Um, verse 11 again, let's read it. It says, Now all these things happened to them, of course, talking about the children of Israel, and of course some of these things are not, that are being mentioned here are not the, not the positive things, but some negative things that the children of Israel did. And it said, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for, for our admonition or our instruction or teaching upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, um, what we've been doing has been ministering on, uh, you know, using our patriarchs of faith, um, using uh, their lives uh, as, as it brings out here as examples to us. And that's, of course, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, some, uh, the majority of things we're pulling out, of course, is some of the, the great things, the good things that some of these people have done. People like David, spent a few weeks with David and a few weeks with Abraham and uh, you know, use Daniel's life and uh, Gideon, Caleb. Uh, another one we talked, I believe we talked about Caleb last week. Uh, this week I'm going to talk about Moses. And uh, uh, we're going to come out of uh, Hebrews 11 is where we're going to start with that. And uh, we'll see just kind of how and where this goes. So hopefully you get something out of this. Uh, Moses, of course, being a, uh, a great man of God, did some great things, some miraculous things. Um, but also uh, understand that Moses didn't necessarily do everything right either. Moses had a few, uh, a few uh, mistakes, a few little issues here and there, and uh, some of it even cost him, okay? So uh, definitely uh, we can learn from his life, all right? So let's go to Hebrews 11, please, Hebrews 11, and let's see what we can glean from his life today. Hebrews 11. And I'm going to read verse 23, start there anyway. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. So of course, mostly this verse here is dealing with his parents. His parents did, uh, did an act by faith, okay, uh, because they saw that he, talking about Moses, was a beautiful child and that they were not afraid of the king's command. Of course, remember at the time, Pharaoh's command was, uh, uh, was killing all the... Uh, the male uh, children, uh, just trying to eliminate, um, you know, uh, the population of the Israelites, all right? And so they were killing off the children. Uh, this one here says, a beautiful child. Uh, some translations use words like an unusual child, an exceptional child, but it's referring to really what it was is they, you know, by faith, they kind of saw something in this child. And of course, every parent's going to want to save their kid, you know, but um, 
obviously, but uh, they, they made a step, a, a bold step to try to do whatever they could to save the life of this, this uh, child named Moses. And uh, anyway, uh, of course, it, it goes down, he goes down in history as this mighty man of faith, all right? So let's read on. It says, by faith, verse 24, Moses, when he became of age, uh, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction, or literally means a persecution with the people of God, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, uh, what I want to bring out with Moses' life is the fact that he made a choice, okay? He chose uh, to really to, to go the route of the children of Israel, the, you know, to go back to his roots, so to speak, to choose, uh, you know, maybe in a sense a harder way of living, a harder life, and, and then willing to refuse uh, the easier route uh, with uh, Pharaoh and his family, okay? And uh, the thing I want to bring out first and foremost is that, you know, a choice, and that's kind of what we're going to focus on a little bit here, you know, uh, Moses made a quality choice. He made a choice and chose life, okay? He, made, he chose the higher life, and that's kind of probably what I'm going to title this message. And, um, but in order to make a choice, a true choice, there's also to refuse. And it's just something to think about because a lot of times people ride fence. A lot of times people ain't really making clear choice. You know, they're choosing, you know, they're saying they're choosing God, but you know, but then an hour later, they're doing something that, that's kind of anti-God, okay, or just not going down the same, uh, same road. And uh, so we really didn't make a clear choice. We just, you know, did, you know, made a choice, a kind of a momentary thing, momentary decision, but then it wavers, uh, you know, like I said, an hour down the road. So what Moses proved out here was... He made a choice, but in order to do that, he also refused. To choose, you must also be willing to refuse, okay? And that's just, that's a key, okay? Um, Philippians 3, let me bring a few uh, verses here. It says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So if you're going to reach forward to the things which are ahead, you're going to have to let go of some things that are behind. Because if you're not going to let go of the things which are behind, it's kind of hard to reach forward, okay? Everybody wants to move forward. Everybody wants to reach forward, so to speak, and grab what's ahead there. But if we're not willing to let go of some things behind us, okay, it's just like, um, you know, I didn't use, a, uh, you know, a reference in uh, 2 Corinthians that says you're a new creation in Christ, you know, but uh, it says, you know, uh, old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. Now, uh, you are a new creation. Uh, so, you know, you have, uh, you know, a new life in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. But there's a lot of people who came to know Christ. Um, they want to serve God. I mean, I think their hearts were always right when they made a decision for Christ. But a lot of times, you know, they, they make that choice, not, will, not realizing that you've got to be willing to also let go of some of this mess back behind you here. Amen. And so it's, it's uh, you know, anytime you're going to move forward, amen, you got to be willing to let go of some things back here that may pull you back or hold you back. Another reference on that would be uh, basically Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says that they're willing to lay aside every weight and sin 
uh, which would so easily ensnare you and then run with endurance the race that is set before you. So in other words, another way of just saying it, that if you're going to run this race, if you're going to fulfill, in a sense, the race that you're called to run, then there's some things you're going to have to be willing to let go of. And some of those things become things like weights, uh, you know, things that trip you up, things that cause you to stumble, okay? So uh, you've got to be willing sometimes to let go of some things in order to press forward, all right? Another reference I was just thinking about, I just kind of wrote it down here uh, just a few minutes ago even, uh, but Deuteronomy 30, you know, and he, you know, he laid out there before him the blessing and explained to him the difference between the blessing and the curse, and uh, we see in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, he says, now I've laid this all out to you, okay? Life, death, blessing, and curse. And he says, but choose life. And he said, the reason you want to choose life is because both you and your descendants may live. So he says, your choice is not only going to affect you, it's going to affect those around you. Well, I think that fits in kind of this thing, okay? Um, of course, Moses' life affected the lives of many. In fact, affected all the lives of the Israelites at that time. Okay, come down the road here a little bit, okay? And so he made a choice, all right? Uh, and it was a quality choice. Now, at the time, you know, uh, you know, it didn't, you know, as far as, uh, uh, you know, how it looked at the moment, it may not have looked like a great choice, okay, because you're giving up, uh, you know, all maybe the, uh, all that he had uh, by living in the household of Pharaoh, okay, and, and of course, uh, Pharaoh's daughter and and uh, all that, and so, you know, you've given up, you know, quite a life in order to, you know, connect with your, your family, you know, the, the Israelites who were at that time basically slaves, you know, so uh, quite, a, quite a decision, okay, but he, he made a choice on a higher, uh, you know, a, ch- a higher life, amen, because of what he uh, knew in his heart and, and wanted to follow. And anyway, let, let's, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So let's go back here now uh, to Hebrews 11. And let's look now. Um, in fact, let me go ahead and read that verse again. It says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. So verse 26 now says, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. So it's kind of saying some same things, but we're going to kind of dissect this a little bit. Verse 26, please. Uh, Let's take the beginning part of this. It said, again, esteeming the reproach. Now, my cross-reference will say uh, the reviling because of. Okay, So in other words, there was uh, abuse or um, we could say criticisms. Um, So he valued higher, esteemed or valued higher even the criticisms or the uh, reproach, reviling, the um, abuse maybe of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, okay? So anyway, uh, let me kind of define that a little bit. Um, You know, it says Christ's greater riches. Now, um, the word Christ, of course, uh, Christos, okay, which is a word that means the anointed one and His anointing. And sometimes when you read that word, it's not really necessarily talking about our Lord and Savior. Okay? And I want you to, you know, kind of take heed to this a little bit because 
in context, you know, he didn't, you know, Christ is still something, you know, when Moses is, is here, Christ is really still something in the future. The Redeemer is still something, in a sense, to the future. Now, Moses is a type and shadow of a deliverer, okay? But what it is, see, is uh, he's, he's talking about there's a calling on his life, an anointing on his life, okay? In fact, we know that to be true uh, because, um, you know, when he... Uh, stepped up to the plate, so to speak, when the Egyptian was, was bringing harm to the Israelite, uh, he steps up and he basically ends up killing the Egyptian, okay? And then he, of course, buries him right there in the sand, you know? Well, then, of course, the next day comes by and now there's two Israelites warring with each other. And, uh, you know, uh, he steps in the, and says, hey, why are, you, why are you fighting with your brother, you know? And, of course, one of them spouts up and says, what are you going to do, kill me like you killed the Egyptian, you know? And, of course, at that moment, you know, he, he then realizes that, you know, that, you know, his sin had been found out, so to speak. And then what happened, then it says that Pharaoh found out about it, and, of course, he runs from the face of Pharaoh. Now it's something to bring up. And um, out of Acts, the, uh, I believe it's like verse 7, or chapter 7, pardon me, Acts 7, uh, I believe it was brought out that, you know, Moses believed that he was called to deliver Israel at this time. Okay, now I'm kind of, I'm kind of throwing this in here, and this might come up a little later again, but um, Moses uh, believed he was called to be a deliverer, okay? And he assumed that the rest of the Israelites would have known that. Well, at this time, nobody really knew of him other than the fact that he was, you know, basically, the, in a sense, the grandson of Pharaoh, okay? Uh, you know, one of Pharaoh's daughter's sons, okay, or whatever. Or, and they, you know, to him, they're not, I mean, they're looking at him and not, they're not seeing that, okay. And if, but he's thinking, you know, he's already, in a sense, already knowing that there's a calling on his life, okay. Now, let's go back to this verse and think about this. We might bring up more of that a little bit later again. And uh, but verse 26, esteeming the reproach, of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Okay, so what, what he's doing, he's, he's valuing, in a sense, the anointing in his life greater than anything else that he could have on, this, on earth, okay, uh, as far as earthly wealth or whatever. Okay, he sees that this calling or this anointing, he, he valued it. Okay, there was a, a time in there where he saw that as more important than being in the household of Pharaoh and all that Pharaoh's household had to offer. Okay, now let me give you a reference on that, okay? Uh, we're going to, uh, I'll give you a Romans 8. Of course, yeah, right, I'm always going to have something out of Romans 8. Romans 8 and 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings or the hardships of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, so he's kind of saying the same thing that, you know, somewhere along the line, we got to make the choice and, 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 and maybe in a sense accept the fact that the glory that, you know, that could literally come through you and me, that could be revealed in you and me, is far greater than anything else really this earth has to offer. Now, it's not saying you can't have you know, things or the blessing, you know, all the things that the blessing brings and offers. But we're just saying that 
it's bringing out that no matter what the earth or this world can bring or offer, it, it, it's, 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 you know, pale in comparison to the glory which can be manifested in our lives and come through our lives, all right? And, and it's a choice you got to make, okay? Is, is the glory or the, uh, the manifestation of God, the presence of God in our lives, the, we could even say the anointings in our life, are they more important to us than anything in this world or anything this world would have to offer? I mean, it's, it's worthy of asking. I mean, you gotta, sometimes you got to look inside. And I believe that's what, uh, that's what Moses was, was doing in a sense, is he you know, looked at, you know, man, this calling on my life. And maybe he'd been, you know, because of the, how it all transpired with him and Pharaoh's household. And, you know, uh, you know, he never lost sight of the fact of where his true roots were. And maybe through the whole thing, he always felt this tug or this pull on his, in his heart. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily bring all that out. Um, it's just that it does bring out that he thought he was called to be a deliverer. Now, um, I'm, maybe I'll toss this out there. I'm just kind of, kind of feeling my way as I'm kind of moving through this. But, um, you know, the Scripture brings out in Genesis when, uh, when uh, God was talking to Abraham, he, he prophesied about a time when the Israelites would be talking about his descendants, Abraham's descendants. He says that they will uh, end up in a land that's not their own and they're going to be servants to this people. And it says they're going to be uh, basically in bondage to them for 400 years, 400 years. Uh, later in the book of Exodus, it brings out, and, uh, and I believe it's in, I want to say chapter, uh, I don't know, what is it, 50, no, chapter 12, I guess it is, in Exodus, it brings out that they were actually in bondage for 430 years. Okay, now I'm just, you know, maybe, you know, maybe taking a little, little liberty here, but I, I believe it, it, it justifies, or you know, uh, because of the scriptures, it brings out that, you know, thirty years later than what God originally prophesied uh, to Abraham, instead of four hundred years, it ended up being four hundred thirty years. Now, the reason I bring it out is because uh, Moses believed he was called uh, to be a deliverer. The problem was he kind of jumped the gun a little bit, and maybe, um, you know. Uh, you know, tried to step up a little bit in the arm of the flesh, and that's what, how this whole thing transpired. He kills this Egyptian. Well, now because of how it all, because basically he's, he's not yet who he's called to be in a sense, okay? He's not fully developed, maybe we could say, and maybe that's a weak way of saying it. But, uh, but what happens then uh, is he jumps the gun as a result of it now due to maybe insecurity, fear, we could maybe even say maybe due to impatience, maybe. Maybe if he would have just stuck around and just let this thing grow and develop and became a little bit more, um, maybe more of a hero, so to speak, to the Israelites. Maybe, maybe after about 10 years, they would have all been ready to follow him wherever he said to go. You know, I don't know. I don't know. We're just, you know, we're just, like I said, I'm taking a little liberty on that. It's just that it ended up being 30 years later so what happens is, of course, Moses, you know, runs and flees. Okay, back to his story. He runs and flees from Pharaoh. And, um, you know, he go, runs away and ends up in Midian, okay, um, and ends up uh, basically connecting with uh, Jethro and his family and one of Jethro's daughters he ends up marrying. And, and he's in 
the wilderness, so to speak, uh, for 40 years. Okay, so of course we know then, 40 years later, the burning bush, that whole deal. He's called of God to uh, go now and be what you're called to be. Of course, you know, a little bit of a transition there, but he goes and does what he's supposed to. And by the time it's all done, 40, uh, pardon me, 430 years later, they're, they're leaving Egypt. So it could be, I'm just saying, you know, the man knew what he was called to do, maybe felt a calling, felt an anointing in his life, and was willing to forsake all the rest of it, to look the other way, so to speak, from all the other pleasures and everything else that he knew, you know, immediately what he had, and was willing uh, to, to lean toward this, this calling, okay? And maybe he just jumped the gun a little bit, I don't know, but it's just, just a way of thinking of it, okay? So uh, the biggest thing is, is that we find in his life, though, the man's willing to make some choices, okay? Praise the Lord for that, all right? So let's, uh, let's go back here. Let's see, where were we? In verse 26. Um, let's now verse 27. Uh, no, verse 26 still. I, I don't think I finished that. So verse 26, let me go ahead and read it again. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he, here we go, looked to the reward. Okay, there we go. That's right. He looked to the reward. Okay, now one translation, I believe it's, it's the passion, I believe, brings out that for his eyes looked with wonder, not on the immediate, but on the ultimate. Not on the immediate, but on the ultimate, and he calls it face great reward. Okay, so uh, he looked to the ultimate, okay, and that's why he was willing to do what he did. I mean, he, literally, he kills an Egyptian, okay, he's called to be a deliverer, and he thinks that's what's going to happen. The problem is, okay, you're not, you're not equipped yet, really, because you're still thinking you gotta, you're going to do this with your own strength, okay? Well, he feels a calling, but he's, the problem is he's not ready yet, okay, because he's still leaning on the arm of the flesh to do this, and, of course, it created an issue, all right? So, anyway, um, Matthew, I'm just going to give you some references here, because I think I'm kind of, uh, you know, getting a little preachy here. Matthew 10 in verse 39, uh, talks about, you know, uh, you know, letting go of the lower life. In fact, the Amplified Translation even says that. You've got to be willing to let loose of the lower life on account of the higher life, okay? And uh, so, again, that's kind of just saying the same thing. That's what Moses was willing to do, okay? He saw that everything he had at Pharaoh's household was really, really, in a sense, the lower life. And he was, he was le- reaching to the ultimate face great reward or the higher life, all right? And so that's the same thing Christ asked of you and me, being willing to let go of, of the natural, this, the, the world in its sense, the natural things, uh, you know, and, and reach for the higher things. Let go of the lower life to grab the higher life. Amen. John 30 and verse, uh, uh, pardon me, John 3 and verse 30 uh, in um, reference, it was John the Baptist who made the statement. He said that, uh, talking about Jesus, that he must increase, but I must decrease. Okay, in other words, for him to increase, I got to decrease. Now, you know, again, I'm just, another way of saying this, that we're, we're willing to let go of the lower life to grab the higher life. So what, what, what really what John the Baptist was bringing out was, you know, that, you know, of ourselves, you know, this is, 
you know, we're, if, if he's going to become something in our lives, we got to be willing to let go of us. We got to be willing to let go of self, or we could even say uh, selfishness, uh, things of this lower, lower life. You know, I was thinking the things that get in the way, things that will hinder us, things that uh, will maybe distract us or block the progress in our life. Amen. So, uh, you know, if we're going to reach for the higher things, you got to be willing to let go of things in this natural realm. Now, um, I'm going to throw this out here again because I don't want somebody, you know, hearing this and thinking I'm telling you, you know, you got to go live pro, you know, broke, busted, and disgusted. You know, go live poor in poverty. Some, you know, some uh, religions kind of preach that. You know, that's part of their thing. If you want a higher way, you got to be, you know, you you got to be, you know, free from anything. You know, and that's I, I don't believe that's that's entirely right by any means because there's too much about the word about being walking in the blessing. Okay, so if, uh, you know, we're just talking about the things that would distract you from the higher life. We're talking about things in your own life, uh, ways of thinking, uh, like I said earlier, self, uh, selfishness, things that just, uh, that are not the love walk, you know, but of self walk. Some of those kind of things that distract and get in the way, uh, that trip you up, that cause you to stumble, that that, uh, that somehow mess up your progress in Christ, those are things that we're talking about that you got to be willing to let go of. you got to be willing somehow to let that stuff just, you know, make the choice, okay? I'd rather go His way than any other way. I'm going to choose Him and refuse whatever it is that God's talking to you about or dealing with you about. Amen. So this is what we're, what we're dealing with. Okay, now let's go to verse 27 in Hebrews 11. And it says, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him, talking about God, who is invisible or unseen. Now, uh, I think I'll kind of dissect that a little bit too here. Um, But by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king or Pharaoh. Okay, now um, I believe that this is talking about now after he's already come back to Egypt. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because when he left Egypt, he was fearing Pharaoh. So I believe then this text is not talking about when after he killed the Egyptian and he flees for his life, basically, because Pharaoh was after him. In fact, the scriptures even say in Exodus, it says that Pharaoh was looking to kill him. Okay, so, you know, he's actually is fearing for his life when he left Egypt. So I believe this verse is not talking about that time. This verse is talking about when he's come back to Egypt now. Okay, he forsook forsook Egypt. And that word uh, forsook uh, uses words like to betray or abandon, but literally means to turn one's back on. Okay. Now, he turned his back, okay, on, uh, really on Egypt. So what, what, what's he talking about, turned his back on Egypt? Well, let me, let me, let me explain it to you. When, when Moses first came back, you know, uh, as I, I mentioned this earlier, that Moses didn't necessarily do everything perfect. Um, Moses actually uh, got rebuked a few times by God, okay? Uh, he... 
He received a rebuke from God when he was up on the mount, when he first, uh, you know, was talking to God about going uh, to, back to Egypt. Uh, you know, the word says that Moses, you know, had all these excuses. You know, what about this? What about that? What about this? He said, hey, my, what about me? I, I have a hard time communicating. And God just says, hey, did I not make your mouth? <laughs> and then later on it says that, that God's wrath was kindled, okay? So he obviously got upset with Moses because Moses had a lot of things. He had all these reasons why he can't be the one to go, okay? And then he gets uh, on the way to Egypt, finally after he gets that settled, on the way to Egypt, and the word even brings out the fact that, that uh, really what it was is Moses wasn't taking this serious enough. That's what, that's, now hear this, okay? He wasn't taking it serious enough. So God got on him a little bit because he says, listen, you're going to go tell Pharaoh that Israel is my firstborn and you're going to let my firstborn go, all right? Or there's going to be trouble, all right? Well, Moses himself got in a little bit of trouble because in a sense he wasn't taking it serious enough. Okay, well, he got that all squared away, okay? And, of course, we got a few other things that happened, you know, down the road. Even when he was in front of the Red Sea the, before it parted, God rebukes him there. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he gets, a, in a sense, a rebuke from Jethro, his father-in-law, about something he did wrong. And then he gets a rebuke from, uh, from uh, you know, the father when, talking about God the father, uh, when he struck the rock, rock twice, okay? Now, the reason I'm just saying all this is there were several things that Moses didn't necessarily do everything right, and he did have some rebukes. But the point that I'm trying to make with this verse, it says he forsook Egypt. Okay, what's he talking about? Well, do you know when Moses first came to Egypt uh, and he, he addressed Pharaoh, you know what he said to Pharaoh? Please, <laughs> please. Let my people go, okay? Well, uh, you know, he found out real quick that saying please to Pharaoh ain't going to get her done, okay? So what it was is we're going to have to, you're going to have to settle it, Moses. In order for this to happen the way it's supposed to happen, you're going to have to be okay with the fact of what's going to happen to Egypt. Now, you think about it, okay? Uh, remember now, for, for 40 years, now listen, 40 years he's, really in the family and household of Pharaoh. The whole thing happens then when he, uh, you know, he kills the Egyptian. He leaves, ends up in Midian, 40 years in Midian, okay? Now, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, he grew up in the household of Pharaoh, right? I mean, his, you know, in a sense, uh, you know, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, now, you think about this, okay? So God's telling him that you're going to go into Egypt and some things are going to happen. And in order for the Israelites to be delivered, there's some things that are going to go down that may not be all so pretty. And one of those things, there's a lot of havoc going to happen in, the, in Egypt and to the uh, Egyptians, all right? So here he is going, you know, when he first comes. Now, remember... You know, Moses is, uh, the word says, he's the uh, meekest of all men, okay? He's, uh, I think the New King James brings out, says he's uh, uh, the most humble man on earth, okay? And, of course, he wrote that, <laughs> so I don't know how that, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, but in, in the old King James, he used the word meek, and actually what it, it's a word that uh, 
uh, let me define that. The word meek itself means unassuming or unpretentious is what this, in other words, he's not a know-it-all or he's teachable. Now, I'm tossing that out there because of this, okay? So Moses really isn't looking for trouble. He'd rather just get along, go in there. I want to tell Pharaoh, listen, we got to, you know, uh, God's uh, people want to go out. We want a three-day journey out. We want to worship God on the mount, Mount Horeb over here. And, uh, and he was hoping by saying please and trying to get along, you know, and not create any issues and trouble that Pharaoh was hopefully were just going to say, you know what, why not? Go ahead. Well, that ain't going to happen, okay? And God basically told him it ain't going to happen, okay? So he had to kind of settle it on the inside. And I hope you're hearing this. He had to settle on the inside that I'm going to have to forsake Egypt. I'm going to have to be okay that, you know, whatever happens to Egypt happens to Egypt because it, Egypt, in a sense, is the world, okay, to you and me. It's a type and shadow of the world. In fact, it's referred to as the house of bondage, okay? Now, if you're going to move forward in God, you can't be so attached to the world, okay, because what happens is you're never really going to move forward in what you're called to do and be in God if you're constantly so worried about everything in the world, okay? Now, you're called to be a difference maker in the world. You're called to be the light, the salt, you know. You're, uh, you're the difference maker, okay? So we're not talking about, you know, you know, doing things that you, you know, now you lose your level of influence or your sphere of influence, you know, in the world. But we're talking about some people are so concerned about everybody and everything in the world that they never move forward in God. Okay, so again, this is that, that choice that Moses had to make, he had to be willing to say, you know what, Pharaoh? Right now, I'm just telling you right now, this is the way it is, okay? Let God's people go or else. And he had to come to that place, okay? Now, it says here in this verse again, verse uh, 27 again, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, by faith he forsook Egypt, not, here, not fearing the wrath of the king. So that's he come to that place where then it's like he didn't care what Pharaoh was going to do. He wasn't worried about how Pharaoh looked at it. Okay, he had to come to that place. So your little, little thing, your little word at the beginning saying, please let him go, you know, and just trying to avoid some conflict, okay, you just, you just got to get past that, okay? And it's the same thing. You know, that's the problem with a lot of Christians nowadays is they're too busy riding a fence, okay? Listen, I ain't asking you to be rude and mean to everybody. That ain't what we're talking about. But somewhere along the line, you've got to settle it. I'm going to serve God. And it doesn't matter, you know, uh, what goes on in the world. You know, everybody's got to make their choices. But you playing patty cake with the devil isn't going to get things done right. And that's why he said not fearing the king, okay, the one in charge, Okay, the scripture brings out pretty clearly in uh, John 12 that, that the enemy, talking about the devil himself, is, uh, is the ruler of this world. And one place, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, it brings out he's the God of this age. So in other words, I'm, what I'm bringing out, and I hope you're getting this, okay, is I'm not going to worry about the devil and his group. I'm not going to worry about the world system. 
I'm not going to be so concerned because, you know, I don't care if I, if I do upset the enemy. In fact, I hope I do. I hope when, when you get up, when I get up, that the devil screams in terror because you, you woke up. Okay? You can't be so worried about, you know, upsetting the apple cart, so to speak, uh, in this world's life, this worldly life or whatever. Uh, you know, you've got to be willing to step forward, not worry about how the world views everything, how the enemy, whether you've upset, uh, you know, got the kingdom of darkness all, uh, you know, got their panties in a wad, so to speak. I don't know how you want to word it, but, you know, I don't care whether uh, all kinds of issues and problems are, are stirring out here. You got to be willing to say, listen, I am going to move forward in God. I choose life. I choose the higher life. I choose the way of God over anything else. And it doesn't matter who doesn't like it, really. You got to just be that way. And again, I ain't talking about you going out there and trying to get everybody mad at you uh, just, you know, by, by being rude and, and crude. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about making some choices. Just by making some choices about choosing God over the world and the world's way and the world's system and the world's way of doing things. By, just by doing that, you're going you're gonna to have all kinds of, uh, of, of things that, uh, that are going to war against you. All right? So I'm just talking about making choices. All right? All right. So by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he, here we go, endured. In other words, he, Moses, amen, found endurance, amen, as seeing him who is invisible. In other words, as seeing him who is unseen. I mean, that's really what it's coming down to for you and me. We've got to be willing to say, you know what? Um, I, I, I have more, I have, the eyes of my faith are more uh, locked on to uh, this unseen realm. See, the word says, seeing him who was unseen. Okay, okay, so you know, we can go several references on that throughout the scriptures. You know, this is what, what really made the difference in Jesus' life was the choice that he made that, that even his heavenly father, unseen with the natural eye, but yet he had more faith, hallelujah, uh, in the eyes of faith, so to speak, locked on to the unseen. The unseen became more real to him than the seen realm. Are you hearing that? So that's why every time the father spoke, or the Father showed him something by the Spirit, he would do what he saw the Father do or showed him to do or said what the Father told him to say. Because he had more, his, his eyes of faith, so to speak, were more locked on to him what was more real than even in this natural realm. And really, that's what happened to Moses. Moses got to that place where the unseen became more real to him than the seen realm. And that's why he got to the place where, you know, I'm willing to forsake and turn my back, so to speak, on everything back here in my past in order to move forward in what God has. And then, and then back up another verse or two, I'm willing to let go of anything of this natural realm that I might walk in this anointing. I might walk in this calling. I might walk in this gifting. 
because it's more alive to me, more real to me, more important to me, of higher value than anything else in this natural realm. That's quite a choice, quite a, quite a decision to make. Amen? And if you, you kind of look on the rest of it here, in verse uh, uh, 28, uh, it says this, By faith he kept the Passover, amen, and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So in other words, just even as the, as the plagues all happen, and of course the last one uh, was the, the, the oldest uh, dying, okay, so the destroyer comes through, and, uh, and the oldest of every household died. Well, in order to stop that was the shedding of blood, and then the blood applied, right, to the doorposts. As a result of it, then, the destroyer passed over, okay, all right, and no harm came to that household. Well, it took faith to do that. Well, now think about this, okay. So God's saying things, speaking things to Moses, and so Moses, see, it took faith to say, you know what, whatever God says, what we're doing. So you're, you're, now we're seeing this whole transition that happened in, in, in uh, you know, the course of whatever time span that was there, but things that transpired in Moses' life that, to now that no matter what God says, what we do. See, that's why he's, he's listed as a patriarch of faith in Hebrews 11, because this man got to the place where man, whatever God says, what we do. You know, the next verse then says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Okay, and that whole story there that happened with that, which is a glorious story, right? Uh, uh, you know, he gets to the, uh, you know, he gets to the, um, to the Red Sea. For, of course, they get everybody's coming out of Egypt and... Um, you know, at this time, they're all being, you know, they're all coming out. And the Word says they literally, um, you know, uh, plundered the Egyptians, you know, took all the gold and silver and, and uh, you know, basically anything of value came out with them. They all came out, the Word says, um, no feeble among them, which means then, too, that, that anybody that was weak or sick ain't no more. Okay, I know it's not proper English, but you get it. Amen. So uh, they're no longer feeble. And uh, so they're all coming out. The first thing that happens is they get out there, and now they're, they're up against the sea. And the Scriptures are pretty clear that all of a sudden now, now here we got, you know, you know the scholars say there could be as many as, a, you know, a couple million uh, Israelites by this time. Okay, so they're all standing on one side of the sea here, and here comes the enemy barreling down their neck because, again, Pharaoh, you know, because... Uh, I guess he just doesn't get it, right? Okay, the word says his heart was hard. And, and uh, so here he is now. He still drums up the rest of his, you know, whatever soldiers he's got left and all their chariots and come barreling down thinking they're going to, uh, you know, one last ditch effort to kill the Israelites or whatever. And, of course, the Israelites got a little panicked, right? You saw the movie, right? No, anyway, uh, so they all, get, they all get panicked, you know, and, uh, and Moses makes a declaration, you know, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, now, a lot of times it doesn't, you know, this kind of thing doesn't get brought up, but you'll find in that same text, okay, which uh, actually is in Exodus 14, uh, you know, Moses then turns, okay, and then gets a rebuke from God, okay. I mean, he's, he's standing there. He's, 
you know, he just doesn't know what to do because he's staring at a sea. He, he believes he led him to where he was supposed to, and now he sees the enemy coming down. Uh, in fact, a whole big thing transpired in that whole deal. I mean, the, the pillar of, of uh, cloud and uh, whatever went left uh, the front of uh, the Israelites and actually moved to the back to protect them from the, the Egyptians that were barreling down on their backside here. Okay, but then, okay, here now you're back at the, the front of the store or the front of the, uh, the group here, and here's Moses, you know, I unfront, standing in front of everybody, and, you know, he's trying to keep the people calm. And the word says when he turned, God said, why are you whining? What are you complaining about? So, you know, we, we don't necessarily know exactly what Moses said, but we just know he got a rebuke from God. And, you know, could be he, you know, tried to calm the people down, turned to God and said, what are you doing to me, man? What, what's going on here, you know? Well, what God then says, says, stop your whining. He says, you know, lift up your hands, lift up that rod and, and part the sea. Command it to be opened, okay, and, and command the people to move forward, amen. And uh, so he did that, and of course, what happens? You know, this, this uh, you know, the, uh, talks about a wind shifts and everything, and all of a sudden the sea begins to open, and literally all the way across this sea, this, this water, it said, became a wall of water on each side of them, and they walk across on dry ground. I mean, just think about all this. You know, Moses, even though there's a moment or two in there where he's, you know, got this, what's going on, but the man was willing to do whatever God says. So here we go now. We're crossing this, this parted sea, and it said on dry ground. I mean, literally, the, somehow even that, uh, not only did the wall, the uh, wall of water on each side, but everything on the bottom was dried. It, 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 that wind or whatever caused everything to dry. So when they walked across, they walked across on dry ground. Now, again, let's not lose sight of everything going on because we're, we're talking about uh, most scholars, like I said, agree there was a couple million Israelites, okay? There are literally, you know, 12 tribes with hundreds of thousands in each tribe. So you do the math. I mean, you're, you're looking at, you know, you know, easily a couple million Israelites, okay? And then we're talking about, uh, you know, their belongings, uh, their, uh, their herds, okay, all their animals, all, everything, okay? So now they got to part or they got to cross this sea that's been parted, okay? And this pillar of cloud, and I think if, if I'm not mistaken, it even says uh, uh, cloud and fire. It was like a mixed uh, deal, uh, this pillar that, that was enough, uh, created enough distraction and, and kept the Egyptians back while they all crossed. And then as soon as they all crossed, okay, then it let these Egyptians follow in right behind them. And, of course, you know the story. The whole sea closes in on them, and the Word says not one of them, not one left alive. And so the next morning or whatever, it says then you find all these dead uh, Egyptians along the, the, the shores because, uh, you know, they'd all died. So God, again, takes care of them. But it took uh, Moses being willing to keep moving forward. Now, we know all kinds of stories uh, that happened throughout. And the children of Israel, you know, it wasn't this particular generation especially, wasn't all that, um, you know, didn't necessarily... Uh, connect and do all the right things all the time. They, they murmured, griped, and complained about a lot of things. 
and it ended up costing them, okay? And, um, and, I, and I'm just going to toss this out there, too, because um, it ended up costing Moses, too, because Moses kind of got tired of it. And, of course, uh, you know, chapter, I believe it's, uh, uh, actually it was in Numbers, I believe it is. In Numbers, chapter 20, uh, it brings out where uh, he strikes the rock twice. Remember now it's the rock that brought water. So when he strikes the rock, water come, uh, came out. And uh, the problem was he got a little upset uh, at the people because they're always whining complaining. And he got a little upset and he struck the rock twice. And as a result of it, he never, you know, because of that, and it's really symbolic, okay, of, uh, you know, uh, of our Lord and Savior, the rock, okay. So, um, you know, when you think about it, well, I'll, I'll probably get too preachy down that road, but, but the, it is symbolic, okay, and there's a reason for it. But because he struck the rock twice, he doesn't get to be the one to take the children of Israel, or at least that next generation, into the promised land. Uh, but Joshua and Caleb, as we found out last week, are the ones that get to do that. But... Uh, I brought all this out because what we see um, is a man that, you know, was willing to make some choices. Now, again, he wasn't perfect. Uh, he had a few moments. And I think sometimes that's the cool thing about looking at some of our patriarchs of faith is because uh, there ain't either any, any one of us that have done it all perfect either. You know, we're, we're kind of learning as we're, as we're going and growing and moving forward in God and and sometimes uh, our own, uh, you know, attitudes get the best of us or uh, we don't necessarily make, uh, you, know, you know, maybe we're making choices based on the immediate and not so much the ultimate. Amen. And so it causes us to take a look at some of that. Okay. Uh, just like Moses had to uh, take a look at that. Okay. He had to come to that place where the ultimate was more important than anything in the immediate. Amen. He chose the higher way of life, a higher living. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, I, think, uh, I think that might do us here. I was thinking of maybe, um, maybe step back just a minute and bring something out here. Um, uh, the Word says in Numbers 12 and 30, that, or pardon me, in Numbers 12, verse 3, pardon me, uh, now the man Moses was very humble or meek, more than all, all other men on earth, okay, and again, I kind of brought that out, but um, one of the things that, that speaks about Moses, and the reason that that's such an important statement, is because one of the words, or one of the definitions of this, uh, of this word meek, Okay, because there's a lot of places even in the New Covenant that talk about you and me about being, uh, being meek. Okay, um, it means you know when you start breaking that word down, it it it, come, it speaks of being teachable. Okay, when you think of humility, okay, humility is about lifting him up, elevating him. The word says if you if you are humble before God, then He'll lift you up. But it but the difference between humility and pride is pride is about know-it-all. I'm going to do my way. Whereas humility is about looking to Him to let Him do His way. Okay, so that's kind of why humility and meekness are kind of one and the same in a sense. But it does break down this thing about being teachable. Okay, now the reason I think that's important is because that's the thing about you see with Moses. Moses really didn't make the same mistake twice. He made some mistakes. 
But he didn't make the same mistake twice. Okay? He learned. He did get rebuked. He did receive some correction, uh, as we've even brought out here, um, you know. But he was teachable. And I, and I think that's, criti- that's, that's, that's key or even, as I was going to say, critical in our walk in God. Because ain't none of us really got it down yet. We're all learning. Even Paul said, you know, I haven't, I haven't got all the answers. I haven't done it all right yet. I haven't, I haven't uh, you know, got everything figured out yet, he says in Philippians 3. But he says, I, I know one thing. I'm just going to press forward. I'm going to move forward. And I think that's the thing. I, I choose to go forward in God. And along the way, I learn some things. Along the way, I, I'm growing. I'm developing. I'm making adjustments. I'm, I'm uh, changing certain things. And as we, some of these things we talked about today, you know, being willing to, to let go. When you find out, you know what, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too attached to the world system in certain areas of my life that I need to make you know, get off the fence, so to speak, and make some choices. And you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be teachable. You gotta be humble in a sense, or meek in a sense, if this is gonna work right. And so I just I have a few references. So I'm just gonna read those to you fairly quick. But James 1 brings out that we receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. So in other words, as I open this word, what it's referring to is as I take this word in. I'm doing it in a sense of meekness, of being teachable. So that as I'm reading something and meditating on something, I'm gleaning something. You know, just what's what we're doing today. You know, we brought some things out of Hebrews 11. And the idea is that you glean some things and learn some things. Okay? So hopefully while that's happening, so you're taking it in a sense, uh, you know, in a, you're receiving it with meekness. In other words, you're, you're letting God speak to you and show you some things as we open up this word and we implant that into your life and into your heart. Praise God. Amen. First Peter 3 says this in verse 15, always be ready to give a defense or an answer, that's what it means, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And it says with meekness and fear or reverence. Okay, so with meekness. So in other words, it even says that even when you're, uh, you know, you're talking and communicating with people and sharing with people, you still, you know, you, you might have an idea what you believe, but you, it still says that you do it with meekness. With, in other words, you know, there might be some time when you're communicating with somebody and you have a way you see it. Uh, I know I've seen this a lot of times. I've talked with, you know, especially with, uh, you know, even with my wife or I'm talking with uh, other ministers of the gospel or even just even some of our parishioners I'm talking with about certain things. And I have a certain way of looking at something or seeing something, but yet when you let somebody talk and communicate, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're kind of seeing it on a different, a different light. You're seeing it from a different angle maybe or something. The Word talks about, you know, the manifold wisdom of God. And what that means is multifaceted or multi-sided wisdom, okay? And it even talks about the, uh, uh, you know, uh, even grace as being multifaceted, okay? And the idea is, that, you know, the reason I say that is because sometimes as you're sharing, because you're called to do that, it's not saying that you got all the answers, but you may have some answers, is what it says, but you're willing to share why, why you believe what you believe, but at the same time, you're doing it with meekness. You're doing it with an understanding, amen, that I'm, I'm always open to grow, always open to learn some, something new, praise God, amen. Galatians 6 and verse 1 says this, that you, are, you who are spiritual are to restore 
uh, uh, such a one, and talking about somebody that's maybe not where they need to be, such a one in the spirit of, here we go, meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So even in that, when you're, when you're even bringing, you know, trying to help somebody and, and stuff, just it, the whole time you're staying in a, a teachable mode. Amen. Learn some things, okay? Even when you're trying to restore somebody else, okay? They're not making right choices, but now you're trying to do what you can to help them, but at the same time, you're doing it with a spirit of meekness. Colossians 3 talks about as the elect of God, you know, that you're, uh, you know, you're holy and beloved, amen, but it says you're supposed to put on some things, you know, tender mercies and compassion, but one of the things it mentions is meekness, okay? Because uh, if you're, and it goes on to talk about, you know, as you are bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, all this, see, the point is, is that you're always communicating, helping one another, and, uh, you know, bearing with one another means that there's things that are going on. Uh, with people, and it may not all be fun, may not all be, uh, you know, enjoyable, but it says you still do it, you put on, one of those things you put on is meekness, okay? Now, the reason I'm just bringing all these things out is because we see that in Moses' life, okay? He didn't do everything right, but he did have a meek spirit, okay? And the guy was willing, once he figured it out and got it straight, he's willing to make the quality choice and do what he was supposed to do, amen? He learned some things along the way. But he, he, when it all said and done, the boy goes down in history as a man of faith. Amen. A man who walked signs and wonders and miracles, who did what God asked him to do, praise God. Amen. And became the deliverer he was supposed to, praise God. The Word says that the meek will inherit, inherit the earth. Uh, Psalms uh, 37 and also Matthew 5 bring that out. You know, this is just, you know, if you, you know it's just these are things you can learn from a guy uh, named Moses, amen. There were things about his life uh, that were keys, amen, to the higher way of living, amen, for you and me. And hopefully you gleaned something today, learned something today, amen. I hope you grabbed hold of something, amen. So, Father, we give praise and glory. Thank you for this word today. Thank you, Lord, for ears that heard and hearts that received, for opening the eyes of our understanding. Hallelujah. And I give you praise and glory that we have gleaned good, good, good things from the Word of God today. Uh, amen. From the life of Moses. And Lord, we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I call you blessed. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.